The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy. Who is good? Hashtag glue guy. Hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holik to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is... The Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zoraris. Zoraris. Rangers fans, welcome to the best Rangers podcast in town. I am Andrew Chelney alongside Nick Zararis, and we are Liberty Blue. We scream about the Rangers so that you can save your voice. That's how deeply we care about you, and we appreciate that you've joined us for the ride. This is episode 38, live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube special trade deadline edition. That's why we are live on Friday at 6 p.m. as opposed to on Monday. Here we are doing a special episode for you because of all the news that transpired earlier this week and earlier today. Full video will be up on our YouTube page at Liberty Blue Podcast, and the audio version will be available wherever you get your podcasts as well. Search Liberty Blue on your favorite podcast platform, and it should be there. Give the show that shiny and illustrious five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps the show a lot more than you think it does. At Liberty Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew, alongside Nick Zararis, Nick Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. Those are our personal Twitter handles to follow as well. Nick, well, no shortage of uh, of trade news earlier this week, but kind of, kind of a little bit quiet today, huh? Hey, man, there, pretty much nobody had cap space left by today, which is the reason you saw all of the depth guys, the little moves, like uh, Kulikov and Nick Benino and guys who kind of have a pulse but are really just going to these places to be ninth forward, sixth defenseman. You saw the first time ever in NHL history brothers got traded for each other. That happened today. So there's a lot to discuss. Uh, the general framework for all of these is winners, losers. But we're also adding the caveat of like, – what the hell? Because there's a few teams that fall into the category yeah. of what the hell, bro? Like, yeah. you do know the deadline was today. Like, they were the kid who showed up to class and goes, there was homework? There's a few teams <laughs> around the league right now. Like, I don't know if the Canucks know this or not, but JT Miller's no move clause kicks in July 1st. Uh, oh, this good. was the last chance to trade him. So the Canucks are going to have the next six years of JT Miller unless he wants to go somewhere else. The Penguins added Mikko Granlund earlier in the week. And he's expensive and okay. He was pretty good, I will say. I watched a few minutes of the Penguins game last night during the Rangers intermissions. He was noticeable. He was a lot better than what they've gotten from guys like Kapanen and Brock McGinn. Just questionable considering like how aggressive the market was. Where like if the Penguins just like, you know, gave up two draft picks, three draft picks, you could add a Chikrin to that team. Oh, yeah. You yeah, I mean, I think Chikrin would have made a world of difference. But where do you want to start? I think we have to start with the the two teams in the Metro that I don't know what they're doing, and that's Philadelphia and Pittsburgh because they you know like you take a look at the rest of the division and you take a you know the Rangers did some did some moves the Devils got a lot stronger the the rest of like the a lot of the Metro is is competitive at, at the very least and then you have teams like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh where you go in like. 
what? <laughs> like, I'm just like, you, you take a look, especially Philadelphia, at least Pittsburgh, like the, the Mikhail Grandin trade was really bad. And, and every fan and every writer was vehemently just like, on what? what universe was that a good idea, bro? Like what, what's going on, Ronnie? Like what's, what's going on up there? But the, the flyers on the other hand, had all of these players that are on, either on expiring deals or not part of their future. And Chuck Fletcher was like, I'm keeping all of them. Like that's, I don't, I, I, and I, oh, Chuck Andrew, Fletcher, Andrew, Brendan and Tony need podcast guests. That's to right. That's okay. right. They, yeah. They, they got the band back together. They got the, the watcher tone podcast boys back together. Great. Perfect. Terrific. The thing about Philadelphia and Chuck Fletcher said this in his media availability afterwards was like, yeah, well, I call teams about JVR and nobody had a significant offer. And I, I called 17 teams and all these things. Okay. Let me tell you something, Chuck, when, when you have a 31, I think he's 31 or 33, 30. Yeah. He's, he's somewhere in that range. When you have, you have a 30 plus player who is walking, after this season, he's very obviously not going to stay in Philadelphia. Uh, he's a UFA. He's still a serviceable player. Like he's he's a pretty solid player. Like he 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 could have helped uh, a number a of teams. Team. He could have helped a number of teams do well, and he could have contributed. He's not a black hole in either zone. He he's he he's put up good metrics despite being on atrocious Flyers team. It, it's still it's still a decent player to get nothing to keep him when the flyers are a million points out of the playoffs. They are in a constant state of dysfunction. This is a team that doesn't know what to do with their roster, how to go about their future. They didn't sell anybody off. They just kind of kept the status quo and also brought in Brendan Lemieux for reasons. So for Chuck Fletcher, like the, the Flyers, the whole situation with them, at least Pittsburgh, they made a, a questionable move. They did. They, they brought in Kulikov for, I think it was Brock McGinn. And I get that was, I guess an okay. It's a salary deal. Dump. Yeah. It's it, a salary for, dump. For, salary, for salary reasons. And they, I guess needed a better defenseman back there. He's like, a seven. He's it's, the it's, seven yeah. Like it, it's not the worst trade. Yeah. The The problem with Mikhail Granlin, you know, to be fair, yeah, I would have liked yeah. Nick Benino for the, I, I too would have liked Nick Benino. That was, a, that was a good trade by them. And they also like, didn't give up anything of value yeah. to get him. So it was good. It was fine. But the Mikhail Granlin trade, you, you get rid of so much cap and that's the guy you go for. Also, he makes $5 million. Oh, yeah, he's going to be paid $5 million for the next three seasons. Like, why? Of all the players that you could have gotten to, to really make this a, a, a playoff team, to, you know, you, you could have, there's so many potential options out there that were either moved to other teams or, in the case of names like JVR, just kind of stayed where they were, there was a lot of options for Pittsburgh to go out and really make this a playoff roster. Because right now, they're kind of toiling in... Our, one, one night, they look really good, and the next night, they get destroyed by a team that sh they shouldn't get destroyed by. They are, uh, uh, they are one of the teams in the NHL right now. So you would think that... Ronnie Hextall would would take a look and he and he you know he he looks at his roster and the way he plays and he goes you know what we really got to make some some bold moves here to to help this team out. Mikhail Granlund, cool. How how Maddie, fun paying him? 
I'm adding two more teams to the tier you just mentioned for the what are you doing. Vancouver like also. We could, the Vancouver, we could that, that, and Vancouver's one of them. And I would also like to nominate the Calgary Flames. Those yes, are the two teams yes, I would like yes. to nominate for this category yeah. as well. Vancouver giving up a first-round pick for Philip Roenick, who Roenick's fine. He's a solid defenseman. He'll probably play pretty well with Quinn Hughes. But a first-round pick for a guy who's in his mid-20s, who hasn't ever really been a first-pair guy on a good team, when you probably should be looking to shed salary any way you possibly can to kind of orient that team around Quinn Hughes, Pedersen, and um, Thatcher Demko. And instead, you bring in somebody who's going to need to get a contract taken care of. You're trading away a pick you got from the Islanders. When the entire focus of the Canucks right now should be getting your books in order. They should have tried to find somebody to take Tyler Myers. I'm sure they could have found someone who would have taken him for a third or a fourth round pick. Ah. Uh. I don't know about that. <laughs> like, Andrew Rasmus Ristolainen uh, went for a first round pick. Two uh, listen, years ago. I mean, yeah, but that's Chuck Fletcher, the the GM who notoriously just did absolutely nothing at the deadline besides add Brendan Lemieux. So I don't know and, what kind of market there was for Tyler Myers. I know that other teams uh, have watched him play hockey recently, and they understand that he is not very good despite him being tall. So. I, I don't know what kind of market that w- there was for him, but when when your GM uh, comes out and says we're not rebuilding despite them being bad and in desperate need of a rebuild, that's bad. They could have traded Brock Besser. His yeah. name was he was linked to a bunch of teams. Connor Garland linked to several teams. Missed opportunity for them to kind of get their books in order, which has been an issue for the team for years, is they've never really had the cap space to go after good players or to retain their own players. They've had to cut losses where they've lost Tanev, they've lost Markstrom, they've lost Troy Stetcher, they've lost quality pieces over the years because they just didn't have the cap space because they've given out bad contracts for the Flames. Who sit, uh, I wrote it down here. They are five points back of the second wild card. The team ahead of them has three games in hand on them. At some point, somebody on that in that organization's got to say this isn't working. Like on paper, the Flames are a good team. Like they are. They have one of the best top lines in the entire league. They have one of the best lines in the entire league at five on five and uh, Backlin Coleman and Manjapani. The goaltending has been atrocious all year. You have a player's agent being like, we can't keep doing the same thing over and over again on Twitter. And they traded a depth defenseman who's gotten in a couple times this year for injuries and a forward who hasn't played in a few weeks for a forward who probably won't play and a sixth defenseman. If you if this was your let's get in the playoffs move, it is not. Y- you rearrange deck chairs on the Titanic. It reminds me sort of now, this is not a one-to-one comparison, but this reminds me of back in 2012 when the Rangers only move was getting John Scott. Yeah. And they were like, have fun. That's the move. Like <laughs> it's, it's very reminiscent of, of that situation where the where the Calgary Flames very clearly needed more than John Scott on the roster, and yet all they got was John Scott on the roster. Like that the the Calgary Flames right now. They they look good on paper, but uh, on the it's ice they on the ice like they're very reminiscent of, of Pittsburgh in a way of like one game they look like they can do some kind of damage around the league, and then the very next game they look like an an, an abomination on the ice. Andrew, I got two crazy stats for you. Yes, they haven't won two games in a row since the last week of December. Oh, good. They haven't won three games in a row since the first three games of the season. Right, and. 
They have lost 23 one goal games this year. <laughs> yeah, I listen, when when you you see it when you when you're a general manager or a head coach and you take a look at the way this team has been playing all all year and you see okay, the goaltending has been so bad. The yes. the the defense hasn't really been that great, despite there being some some solid names on there. The forward lines have been inconsistent. Like Jonathan Huberdeau hasn't had the greatest year no. of his career. He's been struggling. When you have a lot of players on your roster that should be playing better than they are, and your response to that, because you're so close to the playoffs, was we're going to do absolutely nothing one way or the other. The problem right now with the Flames is that they are in the 9 to 13 hell spot. Yeah. And if if before the wild card, if you if you remember, you know, back in the yield days, before 1 through 8 made the playoffs, was the 9 to 13 spots that were that you were in limbo basically. You weren't good enough to make the playoffs, but you also weren't bad enough to tank. And right now, the Calgary Flames have cemented themselves as stockholders in that 9 to 13 hell spot because they did absolutely nothing one way or the other. Like you have to decide, are you going to buy if you're if you're in that range, if you're so close to a playoff spot, but you're not there yet in terms of your play if you are losing close games if things are just aren't going your way you have to decide like detroit did detroit is so close to the playoffs to the playoffs but they they steve eiserman saw that this team was not quite good enough so he sold and he probably he ultimately i think he did the right thing when you take a look at calgary they are by all accounts not exactly in the same position because Calgary does have better players and they really shouldn't be, you know, on the up and up. Like they, they should be better than they are, but points wise are in the same spot. You got to go one way or the other. You got to, you got to say to your team, either I believe in you and here is my belief in you by acquiring more talent or this team is not good enough. We have to break it down before things get worse. The Calgary Flames did neither. And because of that, they are stockholders, shareholders, CEOs of the 9 to 13 hell spot. Okay. Moving along here to the winners, because a lot of teams did really well this deadline. Uh, the Devils, they got the best individual player out of everybody. The Bruins and Leafs both got a ton of quality. The Rangers got high-end talent. Maybe you can argue how high-end that talent is, but they added high-end talent. They got depth in Tyler Mott and Nico Mikula. They solved, they filled holes. The Rangers got the Rangers don't have any holes when everybody is healthy. How everything fits together, they still have to figure that out. Carolina, I could argue, maybe winners, more probably in the loser category. Anyone else you want to throw into this mix for winners before we kind of get deeper into them? I I definitely do want to highlight the New Jersey Devils here. And the Curtis Lazar move for me, like, it's Solid. fine. It's a fine. It's a fourth fourth line center if nothing else could be good depth for the playoffs, somebody gets injured, he slides right out in there. He's a solid defensive forward, if nothing else, for them. The New Jersey Devils scare me, man. Like, they legitimately scare me. The one thing that they and potentially... And they're going to add Luke Hughes. I don't know if you saw yeah, that today yes, or not. Yes, they're they're going to add Luke yes. Once this college season ends, for sure. Yeah. The, the one thing that they didn't really address, and maybe they don't view it as a problem, but I kind of think Goalie? it is, is their goaltending. 
that if you can get good chances on their goal on their goalies, if you can kind of break through their their defense and get chances in in the offensive zone, you're going to win the game. Uh, I, I, they don't have a, a Sorokin or a Sisterkin or somebody in there that can make that big save if necessary. They're, they kind of remind me in that sense of the Chicago Blackhawks when they had Corey Crawford, where Corey Crawford, he, he could make the big save occasionally, but you wouldn't classify him as a top five goalie in, in the NHL. They, th- it's it's very reminiscent of that. But hey, to their to Chicago's credit, I mean, they won cups with Corey Crawford in net, so maybe they're fine with rolling that kind of of goalie situation out because the rest of their team is so good. But for Carolina, I I, I texted with a friend of mine as a Carolina Hurricanes fan, and he doesn't like we kind of we were kind of going back and forth, and event like essentially I've related them to the David Poyle method of management of we are good enough to make the playoffs maybe win a round or two but we will never ever ever go for all in we will never ever do that we are okay with making the playoffs and, and see you know getting a couple of pieces maybe you know smaller smaller additions although Gus Despair and Pulley Arby for all accounts are, are good acquisitions for sure don't get me wrong but we will the the Hurricanes will never acquire Timo Meyer. They will never acquire Jacob Trickern. They will never get that upper echelon talent and go all in because that requires a lot of assets, assets that we are not comfortable with giving up. So we will get the Gossa Spare, the Puglia Yarvi. We will get those little pieces and see what happens. And the Hurricanes have done that for a few years now, and that hasn't worked out for them, but they're doing it again. Something about insanity being the same thing, you know, that you're doing the same thing over and over again. But you know what? I'm not the general manager of an of a NHL team, so what do I know? But the, the David Poyle did that for 30 years in Nashville. I don't know if you know this, but David Poyle, like, never won a Stanley Cup because he did the same thing for 30 years, every year. And he, he got to the Cup Final once, and he lost. And that was it because he never went all in, and his team were his teams were good. They made the playoffs a bunch, and that was it. Carolina is doing a lot of the same thing right now. And for that, for that, they are losers. They got good talent and they didn't really pay a whole lot. lot. They didn't give up a whole lot to get them. So they're, they're, they're winners in the trades themselves. But as the trade deadline as a whole, they are losers. I'd agree with you completely on that. As far as Toronto and Boston... These are two teams that clearly identified we're good, but we can get better. The Bruins have one of the best top nines of the salary cap era. Yeah. When you are going to play a Tyler Bertuzzi or a Taylor Hall on your third line, whenever Hall comes back, assuming he's back for the playoffs, one of those two guys is going to be on your third line. Garnet Hathaway might be on your third line. Garnet Hathaway might be on their fourth line, depending on how things shake out once that roster is fully healthy. They added a top four defenseman to a team that already had a good top four. They have the best goalie tandem in the league. There's a real argument that this is the best roster outside of the Lightning that were over $100 million in actual paid out salaries. There's a real argument this is the best team assembled of the salary cap era. I would agree. Like This, this is a team that is right now, they're breaking records. They are the fastest it's the first team. first week of March, and they have 101 points. The fastest team in NHL history to reach 100 points. I mean, this team is an absolute unit, and if you aren't afraid of the Bruins, then you are living in fantasy land. 
Like this team right now can't lose. They refuse to lose. Linus Olmark is out here scoring goals. Like this is a team like they have they have that that they have that much depth scoring that their goaltender's pitching in now. Like that's that's where this Bruins team is. And come playoff time, will it change? Can it change? I guess. But right now, you can't look at the Bruins and say they're not the absolute bar none favorites to 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 win the Stanley Cup. The one thing that interests me is the absolute disparity between the gauntlet that is the Eastern Conference versus, by comparison, the cakewalk that is the West. Because the one fear that I have as a fan of a team in the Eastern Conference is that whoever makes it out of the final in the East is going to be dead, exhausted, and half their players are going to be injured, battling major potential problems. And then you have a team in the West that I don't want to say waltzes into the final, but by comparison, they don't have to fight through this mecha gauntlet that the East is going to be facing here in a couple of weeks. You have a team like the Oilers who could essentially just outscore everybody and make it to the final because Connor McDavid says so. Like they don't have Timo Meyer and Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes and Dougie Hamilton all on one team to get through. There's no team in the West that is as scary as Boston, as Toronto, as New Jersey, as the Rangers, as Carolina. Like there's so many there's so many scary teams right now in the East. In the West, Who's scary? Who is there a team in the Western Conference stick that you are potentially afraid of playing in the cup final? If Colorado's healthy, I would not want to play Colorado. If, if Colorado's healthy, they've got McCarr buzzing, Landeskog comes back healthy. That's a scary team. If Vegas, if everyone's healthy, I would not want to play a team where Jack Eichel's buzzing. But other than those two, no. Even Edmonton. Their defense, and we'll talk about Ekholm in this segment because that's definitely a clear addressing a need. They have needed a defense-first defenseman on that team that's actually good at defense. No disrespect to Darnell Nurse. They ate the cheese on the 56-game season where he had great numbers and good goals against and goals for because they were playing bad competition. But he's not great defensively, and they have needed a defense-first guy. If they play him with Evan Bouchard, I'm assuming which they will, Ekholm, that's a solid top four. Edmonton will be in okay shape, but they're goaltending. Stuart Skinner's a nice story as a rookie. He's been pretty good, but Jack Campbell hasn't been able to That's all-star Stuart Skinner to you, Nick. Hey, man, he's got a sick mustache. I got to get the volume routine. I got to... I need to know how him and UC Soros get so much volume on their mustache because their mustache is coming so thick where they got like the fireman mustache where mine doesn't get like that. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't come down and like volumey. It kind of sticks yeah. outwards, which is a problem for me. I, I they, they gotta be adding some kind of product to their, to their fa- facial hair. I don't know. Like, you know, if you take a look at my facial hair, you tell, I, I don't listen. I, I can't grow anything. Like if I if I if I let it grow out, it becomes a tangled mess of nonsense. I have to keep shaving it just so it looks relatively in check. Like I can't I can't be doing these things. So I don't I don't know the first thing about like all these, you know, facial hair mooses and all these things. Listen. Yeah. I, I can barely, I can barely keep, keep it this. together. I can barely, I can, you know, it's that's above my pay grade, Nick. I don't know. Okay. Um, one last team I wanted to put in this category that I think did pretty well. I would have liked them to add something more, but I want to say Minnesota adding Klinberg to their back end as they're, he's legitimately going to be like their fifth or sixth defenseman. He's a pure luxury. They got Jordan Greenway's salary off of the books. 
that's good for them going forward because they're in cap hell. I think the Wild have a chance of that middle class to make a nice run comparable to what we were just saying with Edmonton because of the way they're built and because the West is so wide open. I also want to say part of the reason the West doesn't have like the clear-cut gauntlet is Vegas has been very injured all year. Calgary is not nearly as good as anyone expected them to be. And um, what's it called? Who am I drunk? Oh, and Colorado's been injured all year. Yeah. Two of the three best teams in the West have been really injured all year. And the third team that – I mean, the Flames were a 100-point team last year. They had three guys over 100 points, and now they're not going to make the playoffs. They were legitimately in the President's Trophy race through January of last year, and now they're going to miss the playoffs outright. That's part of why it's such a gauntlet. Injuries and one of the better teams just failing expectations. Yeah, I, I don't know if like, – I wouldn't – necessarily call them winners per se because they got John Klingberg shore and if you subscribe to Jay Fresh or see his analytics you can see just how ridiculously awful John Kling John Klingberg is at defense he's he's okay to offensively sure but as a defenseman he is one of if not potentially the worst defenseman in the NHL this year so that that's fun to fun to see but for the the wild they got they they traded Jordan Greenway to Buffalo. They got a couple of depth pieces, you know, an Oscar Sunquist and Gustav Nyquist. Nyquist is injured right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So by all accounts, they got one depth defenseman and a fifth defenseman that is good on the power play. Is that enough to really move the needle for them in the West? Now, if you take a look at the other moves that were made specifically in the Western Conference, you might say yes. But they were. I was waiting for Winnipeg to make a move. I really thought that if there was ever a year to go for it, like you have no idea if Luke Dubois is coming back. You have no idea what Shifley and Blake Wheeler's futures look like. You don't know if you're ever going to get a top three goalie in the league season again from Hellebuck. If there was ever a year to just throw caution to the wind and try and ride the best goalie in the league to the cup final, this was the year for them. And they just, they added Vlad Nemesnikov. Well, they got Nito Niederreiter earlier on in yeah, the league, so that was that's good. A solid ad, but yeah, it's they not were an, a team yeah. that needed to make a splash. They it's not enough. Team, yeah, it, it it you you take a look at a team like the Winnipeg Jets, and you go, okay, well they've lost five out, five out of the last six. They haven't been playing well, but if it like the the team is good, and the West sucks. Yes, They're, you're in the playoffs. You're but you could potentially you could potentially be the LA Kings of this of of 2023 of just get in and yeah. just go all you have to do is get in and then it doesn't and then just just keep playing your game and you could go straight to the cup final because of how weak the west is compared to the absolute coliseum fire that is the eastern conference right now like Anybody in the West could go on that LA Kings-esque run and make it to the cup final and play a depleted and injured and tired East team and could potentially win the Stanley Cup just because their road was easier than the East team. And again, like I'm not here to put asterisks on anybody's cup win. If that happens, that's not that's not what this is about. But if you just take a look at the, the talent discrepancy right now, the East has added 75,000 top players to, to their rosters and every everybody's all in in the east there isn't one team in the western conference that's all in like every everybody kind of added like a couple of pieces here and there but 
then there's no real like juggernaut in the Western Conference. So the Winnipeg Jets like really should have done more. They really should have tried to bolster this team as best as they could. So just get as much talent as you can. Because like you said, Connor Helbeck is having a tremendous year. You have so much top top end talent right now that their future is unknown. We don't we don't know what's gonna happen. Winnipeg doesn't know what's gonna happen. This was the year for them to go for it, and they kind of didn't do that. So two specific examples about what you're referring to, about a really good team losing to an inferior team because they're really dinged up. And very recent history. You only have to go back two years for Montreal beating Vegas after yeah. after um, Vegas and Colorado played that brutal six-game series where everybody beat the crap out of each other. And the other one that really sticks out is the year Vegas made the cup final, their first year in existence, when they played the Jets in the conference finals, the Jets and the Predators played one of the best seven-game series of all time, and the Jets were dead by the time the conference final came around. You think about all of the Ranger teams that had to play first and second round seven-game series, and by the time they get to the conference final against the Devils, against the Lightning, they are absolutely shot. You, The quicker you advance, the better your chances of going through. It's really hard to win a Stanley Cup having to play six and seven games in every series. Colorado last year, they were able to win their first round series in five games. They got a lot. They got three extra, four extra days on the Flames. Not the Flames, excuse me. Um, They played, Um, I'm drawing a terrible blank. Why can't I think of who it was? It was a Canadian team. It was not the Flames because the Flames played the Oilers in the second round. And then the other team in the Western Conference because Colorado, Nashville, Dallas, Calgary, I'm forgetting, but it doesn't point matter. Being, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. The point being, yeah, it's really easy to get dinged up in the playoffs. And it's why you need 70 and 13 forwards. All right. We got about 10 minutes left before we're going to wrap up. We'll focus on the Rangers last time. This is a Rangers podcast after all. Um, not about the game yesterday. We'll save more specifics for Monday because I want to go back and watch it. And I want to watch the game on Saturday before I start making any real like sweeping. They should do this with this, this with that. Because yesterday was kind of like the first day of kindergarten where everybody was anxious and everybody was like, oh, the new kid, the new kid. There's a new kid in class, the new kid. And everybody's trying to be his friend and everybody wants to be with him at recess. And it made yesterday just very weird because it kind of made it seem like Kane was bigger than the game being played. And it kind of came across that way and how they played in the game. Mm -hmm. But I want to go back, take more detailed notes, pay more attention. But the Rangers went from having a Jimmy VZ in the top six and a Berkeley Goodrow in the top six to this version of Patrick Kane, this version of Vladimir Tarasenko. And in an ideal world, when everyone's healthy, having a fourth line of Tyler Mott, Berkeley Goodrow, Jimmy VZ. That's a pretty good fourth line. When everyone is healthy, that's a pretty solid, I would say, one of the 10 best fourth lines in the entire league. That's good. By adding those guys, like we said when they first added Tarasenko, adding Tarasenko makes two lines better. In theory, adding Kane should make two lines better too because now there's no question marks. Now there's, well, we're not going to slide Goudreau or VZ up now. It's we have Kane, Tarasenko, Kako down the right side. That's it. That's it. There is no Goudreau and VZ in the top six barring injury now because they've kind of backed themselves into this corner calf space wise where like we were talking about they can't call anyone up the rest of the season yeah. without somebody going on long-term injured reserve so that's i believe it's 24 days or 10 games is the requirement to go on ltir to use ltir 
or an emergency call up. But that gets very tricky in who's allowed to be called up. And right now, they're, they're beat up. They need to get to Saturday. They need nobody to get hurt on Saturday. And then they got four days off till their next game. But as far as the deadline itself, I think they got reasonable market value. Kane did them a favor because he only wanted to go there. We said we assumed like a third and a fourth. It ended up being a second and a fourth. Conditional second. I'm not going to be the guy to say, I don't think the Rangers are going to win two rounds. It's within the realm of possibility. It's a reasonable risk. But they got good. They got really good. They did really good on the Tarasenko and Mikola trade. They did yeah. really well on that. And then for Kane, you give him like a B minus a B. They got a good, they got a player they think that's going to make them better. Fine. I think they probably gave up a little more than they probably should have, but it's, it's whatever. You're trying to win. That second round pick becoming a first round pick two years from now, that pick two years from now isn't going to help you realistically because it's this year and then next year is a step back, no matter what, because you're just not going to have this many guys on the team next year. As far as just the trade values themselves, not the fits, not what's going to be with what, because we still need more evidence before we see. Same ballpark as far as estimations? Yeah, I mean, the Tarasenko trade, they got great value. They got a top six player and a defenseman who can play in the NHL that isn't Ben Harper. So by by all accounts, like that was a win, and they really gave up a whole lot to get those two players and they got a bad contract out of here too yeah they they that that they did as well and the, the thing about the patrick kane thing and i tweeted this out when it happened i got a little bit of hate for it but the, the thing about the, the the that train in particular is that chris drury did not have to give that up to get patrick kane i understand i understand that it doesn't matter I get that. And I'm not here to to pound, you know, to to pound my fist on the table and say Chris Jury shouldn't have done that trade because of this conditional pick. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that Patrick Kane only wanted to be a Ranger. He would not have waived his no move for any other team. So why did Chris Jury feel like he had to m- give up a conditional a conditional second round pick that could potentially be a first round pick to get a guy who only wanted to go here why that that is my one question because Chris Jury could have been like we'll give you a fifth round pick and this tuna sandwich that I'm eating right now like take it or leave it because either should I, it's like you know if it's if you're talking to Kyle uh, to, to to Kyle Davidson it's like you either get this low pick or you get absolutely nothing. Those are your two options. And Kyle Davidson, like by all, by all accounts, also could have been like, nah. Like if you're if you're gonna lowball him that badly, then I might as well just keep him because it's 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 disrespectful that you were going to lowball him like that. And I understand that aspect as well. Making it a conditional first for a guy who only wanted to come to your team, I'm not a huge fan of, but whatever at at this point at, at this point it does not only does it not matter but like i'm not going to split hairs over a conditional pick again you when you get somebody who can offensively change a game like patrick kane can splitting hairs is is not going to do you any favors so okay sure fine and i understand the the rangers right now are shorthand Kendra miller is still going to be suspended tomorrow Ryan Lindgren, we don't know if he's going to play. He's, I, I don't know. He's He's been injured the last few games. The Rangers defensively look real bad. Okay, and I want to make I want to modify this because I had a lot of people say this. Well, they only have five defensemen. When we say they are bad defensively, that includes the forwards. 
That yeah. includes yeah, yeah, the forwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. a lot of people are trying to be like, gotcha. Well, no. I mean, no. everybody. Last yeah. night, the kid line was on for two against, and the Kane Panarin Trocek line was on for two against. That means they need to play better defensively. Yeah. Because you are shorthanded, you know you only have 5D. That means you need the forwards more committed to playing tighter defensively. It means being more risk averse. It means. Don't force the puck if there's not a play there. It means take the the high percentage play that's safer and keep the puck moving as opposed to forcing all these cross-seam passes, the neutral zone passes, etc. You When you are playing shorthanded, you have to modify how you approach it. And I imagine it's going to take a little time. They've added two guys to the top six. You know they're going to do everything in their power to keep Trocek in the middle of them and keep the kid line together and keep Zabinijev with Kreider with Tarasenko. I imagine there, there's no shot. These are the, this is the t- the configuration of the four lines in two weeks. Th- that's just the way. That's not the way Galan coaches. It's not. That's right. And, and we'll explore what those different line permutations are when we get there. But one thing, because I can answer a question you asked me on Monday. You asked me on Monday what changed in the two weeks between trading for Tarasenko and trading for Patrick King. In the Athletic, I read it. I want to say yesterday. The, the the Chicago guys, the two guys, they have Lazarus and Powers, wrote in their story that Kane did not uh, want to, did not go to the GM and say trade me until last Friday, and then by Friday, ten o'clock, we knew okay, he's going to the Rangers because he only wanted to go to the Rangers. So that's number one. That uh, technically, even though like there had been talks because Kane's g- agent had been talking to teams about potentially being a landing spot. It wasn't official until what happened last Friday that, okay, he's waiving the no trade. And the other thing, and this is something that irks me, and I agree with you, the GMs in the NHL are way too buddy-buddy with each other. They're oh, way yeah. too nice. They're not cutthroat enough. I agree with you. If it, th- Everybody who plays fantasy anything knows if somebody has to get rid of something, make them. Pennies on the dollar. Pennies. Otherwise, why like if someone if someone comes up to you and says like, "Hey, I need to like I need to 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 sell you this thing, and I need the money right now, like right now," and you are the only person I can sell it to you. If the if the sticker price is a, is let's I'm just making you know an example up. Like if this thing costs a thousand dollars, I'm not offering you a thousand dollars for sticker price. You know, like we, I'm, I'm lowballing you, especially because you're the, you know, like I'm, I'm your whole market. Like yeah. Pat, the Rangers were Patrick Kane's only market. So paying sticker price for somebody that only wanted to come to your team is, is excessive. Okay. And it, and it didn't really, addendum, addendum. The yeah. Rangers didn't pay sticker price. They well because the original asking price they wanted one of the four. They wanted one sure. of Fido Kaka yeah. or Lafreniere. They got he got a way down, and yeah. he doesn't yeah. get credit for na- negotiating. That is his job. He's supposed to get the best deal he possibly can. A lot of people are very eager to give the GM credit for doing his job. It took him a year and a half to figure out how to do his job. But well, well, we can litigate this down the road when we see how this team does. But. A lot of people just giving him credit for doing his job. They, the only landing spot was Kane. Tarasenko, okay. That, I could say, that was good negotiating. They read the market. They got out in front of it, kind of set the asking price. They got him in here early. They're going to have 20 games of Kane and Tarasenko to figure out what they're going to do with them. As we wrap up here, anything else you want to get in before we say goodnight and call it a weekend? 
this is something that I wish the Rangers could have done. And I get it. They would never do this because Barclay Goudreau has hashtag two cup rings and it doesn't, you know, nothing else matters. I would have loved, loved for them to shop Barclay Goudreau and get a, and get a forward in return. that can actually play hockey because he isn't doing much of anything. Like Barclay Goudreau has been scoring more this past season than in, in previous years. So his, his, you know, his, his numbers are, are looking relatively okay. But my man's can't defend and he can't, produce much especially by himself he's not driving anything and and he on top of just being a better bottom six forward as is he's not like he's 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 okay he's okay but he's getting paid like a like a a solid player that can score you 15 17 goals a season that's not Barkley Goudreau. I would have loved for Chris Drury to at least see what's out there for him. I know they wouldn't have done that because they love Goudreau and his cup rings. But ultimately, if you if the Rangers like really wanted to be a juggernaut team, I would have traded Goudreau. And you know, I would have traded Jacob Truba, but they're not going to do that either. So, so you know, like. Turn the Xbox off, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. Like my like my points on this are moot because Rangers wouldn't do this. But I would have loved to see them do that if only like Jacob Truba gets paid eight million dollars. He can't defend. So if you use that eleven and a half million dollars of caps, can you imagine the kind of team the Rangers could have assembled? They could have had Timo Meyer. They could have Jacob Trickren. They could have had so many. They could have literally been a juggernaut. But they didn't want to do that, so it's whatever. All right. On that note, we will call it a week. We will see you guys on Monday. Hope everybody enjoyed the little special treat here. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Every Monday, live Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Content popping up more. This is busy season. Accountant's busy season is April. Hockey content people's busy season is April and March and May. And hopefully June if everything goes right. Fingers crossed. The content will ramp up as the hockey gets more intense. So make sure you're following along on whatever podcast platform on YouTube, on the socials at Liberty Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you're following Andrew and I, Andrew Sandals, Chelney Andrew, C H E L N E Y Andrew. Mine is Nick Zaris, Nick Z A R A R I S. Make sure, make sure to be safe this weekend. Everyone have a good one. Rangers play Saturday and then they're off till next Thursday. We'll see you guys on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Later.